everyone. Welcome to Semester 2, Episode 5 of Just Admit It, where former deans and directors of admission give insight into the complex college admissions landscape. I'm Nat. I'm an Ivy Wise counselor and a former senior assistant director of admissions at NYU and NYU Abu Dhabi. And joining me today is my friend and colleague, Nelly, who's an Ivy Wise MBA graduate admissions counselor and former associate director of admissions at the Wharton School, the University of Pennsylvania. We're going to talk about um, one of the most complex aspects of the, the college admissions process, which is financial aid. And um, admittedly so, I think there is so much to talk about. And of course, Nellie and I, you know, we, we worked offline together prior to this, and um, we want to make it as relevant as possible. So seeing that um, application decisions are coming out soon, uh, and financial aid reward letters will be coming out soon. Um, we're actually going to focus um, a little bit of our attention on what to do once you've received your award letter. But before we do that, I want to kind of give a very brief kind of landscape update on financial aid and make sure that we're all on the same page. And so I love speaking about financial aid. It's such a complex, nuanced um, topic. But one of the things that people don't recognize and realize about financial aid is that it's it's part of the leveraging process. They use financial aid, they being the colleges, use financial aid to help enroll the class. Um, some of the things that I want to kind of set as a, as a guideline or a precedent is um, financial aid is not linear, right? You don't just apply and receive it. It's not, it's not like a binary yes or no. Um, there's a big difference also in the quality of packages that are available to students and families. Uh, so just like a family would research, you know, academic programs and residence life, I really encourage families to also research a school's ability to provide financial aid because, again, it's not all the same, right? When we're talking, there's there's only a few, you know, about 70 schools that can meet 100% of need. And that in itself, when I say meeting 100% of need, um, that's something that Nellie and I will talk about later because one of the most important things to do is to decode the language, right? We're gonna, I'm gonna ask Nellie some questions um, and allow her to kind of show her expertise. But one of these things that we're talking about, right? Decoding the language, 100% of need can mean a, a lot of different things, and we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, we also want to go on the assumption and, and operate under the assumption that everyone knows what the net price calculator is, and, and so we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Um, but let us go in and let's start talking um, Nelly, I'm, I'm really glad that we get to, to work on this together. This is such an important topic. You know, things have changed, I'd say, in the last 10 years in terms of when students can fill up the FAFSA. Um, can you can you tell us a little bit more about the mechanics and when do you think ideally, you know, students and families should be thinking and filling out the FAFSA? Sure. Thanks so much, Nat, for having me here again. Likewise, uh, excited to talk about financial aid. So I actually think that um, similar to the college admissions process, students and families should start planning for these college costs in years in advance um, and educate themselves about the process. Right. This isn't something that's done overnight. Uh, this is, you know, takes 
uh, planning uh, and thought throughout, you know, your high school career. And uh, I'll share a little funny story with you. I, I think I've shared it with maybe a couple other people, but I'm not sure if I've shared it with you. But I think students should be a, um, a part of this discussion, too. So this shouldn't be just, oh, you know, your parents completing the FAFSA, which we'll get into and in kind of the process of what, what needs to be complete, the, the documents that need to be completed. I think students should be really invested in this um, decision process, too, right? This is probably one of the largest financial decisions that they will make in their uh, lifetime, their career. And so having a seat sure. at the table and being active um, um, you know, in this, I think is really important. So I remember my dad, when I was first applying to college, my dad gave me the FAFSA and he's like, here, uh, you know, here's our tax returns. Here's a FAFSA, go at it. And I'm like, what? I was like, this is something that you're supposed to be doing. This isn't my responsibility. But in retrospect, um, it, it it is, a, you know, the, those, if, if you do take decide to take out student loans, that becomes your debt as an individual. And so you need to be aware of what you are signing and what you are uh, committing to as an individual. So, um, you know, start thinking about it early. And actually, uh, the deadline or the earliest in which a family can can now um, complete the FAFSA is October 1st is when the applications open. Um, so kind of let's go into it. So I think the first uh, thing I would say is that you can get free information and help from school counselors, from your financial aid office at the schools that you're looking to apply to, mm -hmm. as well as the U.S. Department of Education at www.studentaid.ed.gov. So all free resources that you should be taking advantage of. I think the next step would really be trying to collect the documents that you need to apply. So this would include your income tax returns, your W-2 forms, and other records of income. This is both for yourself as well as for your parents. Um, your social security number, alien registration number if needed, cash savings and checking account balances, all of this is going to be taken into consideration when making a, a determination of what your EFC is, and we can kind of decode that <laughs> later, yeah. but your estimated family contribution. Um, and then you would apply online for for what is called the FAFSA. Um, and it's at that studentaid.ed.gov, or if you just type into your browser, FAFSA, F-A-F-S-A.gov, you'll create um, a FAFSA ID. Um, and many states, and I said, many states and colleges have priority deadlines. But again, the, it opens in October 1st. Um, and I believe the um, federal deadline is, is in June, but you'll want to make sure that you are also meeting the deadlines of the individual schools in which you're applying to. So that'll be important. Uh, and then once you submit your, your FAFSA, you should receive back from the federal government what's called the SAR or the student aid report, which will be the results of your FAFSA. Um, you'll want to check that over, make sure it's all correct. If there's any corrections that need to be submitted to resubmit that to the um, the correct colleges and update those numbers. Um, and then that information is sent to your colleges listed on the form that you've completed. And then after that, you should receive award letters uh, from your different schools once you're admitted, obviously, and where you'll be able to compare the types of uh, amounts and types of aid that have been offered to you. Uh, and you'll be able to make decisions based on, you know, the combination of the how well that school fits your needs as well as as well as its affordability. So that's kind of like the very basic structure of starting yeah. the process. Yeah, <laughs> that's really awesome, Nellie. And let, let's yeah. like, let's slow down just because you, you uncovered so much uh, important information that we, we want to start decoding. Um, and one of those things, right, we talked about, you know, the ability to fill out the FAFSA early. You know, we, we both agree and we talked about this, you know, the use of the net price calculator um, and also understanding the net price calculator. So uh, in, in around October 2012, the Obama administration was able to make it a requirement that colleges have a net price calculator uh, on their website. It, it's hard to find the net price calculator on a lot of colleges 
college websites. So the easiest way, there is kind of a, a central net price calculator website that you can then type in and search the college you want. But the easiest way is to actually just Google search, you know, whatever the name of the college is and then net price calculator. Now, this is in theory, and we've talked about this, and this is fascinating because in theory, your you, the net price calculator essentially, let me back up. It you, you you type in and you fill out a short questionnaire essentially, and it can be a little bit different, you know, depending on each school that you're applying to. But what it will happen, what will what it will spit out, right? It, it'll calculate some numbers and it'll spit out what you referred to as your EFC, right? So tell us more about the EFC. So once you've completed the the FAFSA, so there's kind of two things that are happening um, in conjunction, right? It's it's you as a family going to fill out your FAFSA, which will generate an estimated family contribution number, yes, a number in which the, the government, uh, based on your income and your assets, et cetera, a number in which the government feels um, is uh, what you should be contributing to your education, what your right. family should be contributing. Uh, and then at that same time, right, is, is the kind of what the college is, um, uh, it kind of anticipate you to be um to, to, be, to be able to, to pay be, exactly yeah and the tough part about an efc is it very rarely you know and and you said it perfectly nelly like it, it's what the college feels like you should be able to contribute yeah. to your education very rarely yeah. is that aligned with what a family thinks they should be able to yeah. pay right so I, i've never had a family say like oh yeah the efc like yeah this is great like this is a great number for us it's like yeah. okay now, a lot of times that number is what is expected. It, it's it's a fair assessment, but we talked about this. In theory, your EFC should be the same at every school, but yeah. again, it's not. And this is where you have to really understand the EFC because each individual college, they can kind of tweak the algorithm with with how accurate their your EFC will come back, your, your mm-hmm. estimated family contribution. So when you start filling out the EFC and we should we should note, like you can do this as a, a sophomore, as a first year in high school. You don't have to wait until senior year or junior year. In fact, you shouldn't wait because yeah. this should be a part of the research process in in figuring out which schools are in a position to give you a financial aid package, right? Because it's not all the same, right? That, you know, and, and we can talk more about that as well, but the EFC will spit out, uh, I'm sorry, the net price calculator will spit out the EFC. Um, and this is an important step because when we talk about what you can do when you get a financial aid package reward award, you know, oftentimes, a family might panic, right? And we, we won't get to it right now, but a family might panic and say like, this is not doable, right? And again, something to remember is that very few schools in our country, right? Of, of the over 3000 schools that we have in higher ed in this country, there's such a small number that will meet 100% of your need. Yeah. So they will meet, right? And, and I worked for a very highly visible private institution. And on average, we met 39% of a student's need. So you might qualify for $100,000 or let's say $70,000. And you're going to get roughly on average 39% of that. And, And here's where the decoding of the language comes in, right? Meeting need, like even if if a school were to meet 100% of need, they could give you 100% of what you need 
in loans. Yeah. And that counts as meeting 100% of needs. So that's very important to decode the message. Now, we're not going to go too much into the, 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 the mechanics of the CSS profile, but what we want you to understand from this, right? And this is so tough because there's so much to talk about and we only have about half an hour, but the net price calculator, when it spits out the EFC, oftentimes it might not be, it will not be what your EFC is when you get your financial aid reward letter, mm-hmm. right? So let's say it spits out $15,000 uh, and uh, and that means that they expect your family to pay $15,000 towards the cost of so-and-so college. But then when you actually get into the college and you get your reward letter, it might be asking you to pay actually $25,000 or $30,000 or or maybe less. And one of the things that we're not going to necessarily have time to get into is – but but we want to mention it. The reason for this, our large, our primary reason for this is how each college uses home equity in, uh, in establishing how much you can pay. Right. And that comes from not necessarily the FAFSA, but it comes from the CSS profile, which is another additional form that the college board is the proprietor of the CSS profile. Uh, and some of the most visible and selective colleges have, families also fill out the CSS profile in addition to the FAFSA. It's, you know, it's not a nearly as large of a number, um, but that is one way that a college is assessing home equity. So if you own a home, and this is particularly important for those that are in areas where real estate values are inflated, right? Anyone that's listening to us from maybe the San Francisco or Los Angeles area, New York City, um, Westchester, Fairfield County, you know, these are areas where um, home values, right? And, And there's just so many stories, heartbreaking stories of families that have worked so hard to buy maybe a brownstone, you know, maybe 18, 15 years ago. Uh, And maybe let's say, you know, Crown Heights, Brooklyn, right? And maybe they were able to purchase it for $40,000. And now that brownstone is worth $2.1 million. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden they have this home equity uh, that is going to absolutely affect financial aid and how much they are awarded at some schools, not all schools, right? Because there's no there's no single way that a college can use home equity, right? They, every college can can decide their algorithm on their own. And that that's starting to get into the nuance. And so when we mm-hmm. talk and we go deeper into it, that's where, you know, when I'm when I'm trying to help a family, and Nelly, this is the same with you, when you're trying when we're trying to help a family, we're gonna look at, okay, what's the home equity piece? And then let's look at what a college is going, how a college is going to use the home equity piece. And this is where Nelly, you did, this is such an important thing that you said is that you can work with a financial aid office before you've applied to a school that you're planning to apply to. And that, that is not said often enough. In fact, I think Nelly, you might be the first one to say that (laughs) on this podcast, right? And so can you, Talk more about that. Like, so you're saying, are you saying, if I'm hearing you clearly, you can call up a financial aid office of a college that you haven't yet applied to and, and actually talk through the process? Yes. So I am saying that. And actually, I wanted to kind of um, back up as well. So all of this information, because they are federal government, um, either, you know, loans or grants, um, and I'm going to kind of do a little bit of a breakdown of, of what the FAFSA uh, and what your your need-based aid could look like, um, is that all of this information and all the calculations and all the algorithms, these are publicly available. So th- there's this isn't a secret, right? I mean, if you're good with numbers, you can, 
you know, go on to the student aid website. You can, um, you know, put in their search bar, the EFC formula, and you can figure out your EFC before you even submit it to uh, your actual FAFSA online. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's also calculators that you can use as well, whether you want to use, you know, the, the government site or if you want to use like a third party calculator, you can know in advance where you're going to end up in terms of your EFC or, or, or a rough sense yep. um, going into the process so that you're not completely kind of caught off guard when you get those award letters. Um, and you, you know, you see numbers, you, you, in fact, that shouldn't be the case when you get your award letter, it shouldn't come as a huge surprise to you. Right. Right. They can be a little bit off, uh, or a little bit mismatched, but you should, in terms of if you've, if you've done your research and talked to the appropriate parties, you should have a good idea of kind of what that financial aid package will look like for you. Right. Um, and the schools, and you, that's such a good point now, because the schools where it will be off the most are the schools that use the CSS profile, because yeah. that's how they're capturing home equity. That's one of the easier ways for them to capture home equity. And you're absolutely right. Like the EFC, like if schools, net price calculator algorithms are all the same and they're just doing flat out FAFSA EFC, it should be in theory the same. But some schools actually kind of go in and they tweak their algorithm for their net price calculator and they might say like enter your grades in and and, and so they and that's where you get a sense of financial leveraging, right? The better the student you are, right, the the better the financial aid package you might get potentially. So continue. Yeah. This is so so helpful. Yeah. So, um, so the FAFSA right is really going to kind of determine your need-based financial aid, right? Which is going to differ from merit-based. So need-based is that you're showing a financial need versus let's say a merit scholarship, which is going to be awarded based on your own unique skills and talents. So uh, the FAFSA will tell you essentially, right, if you're eligible for for federal Pell Grants, which is uh, essentially families have to display exceptional financial need. This is free money that the government is giving you that you don't need to repay. Um, they'll also tell you your eligibility for educational opportunity fund grants. Again, uh, free money uh, that, that you don't have to repay. But most often than not, you'll see uh, additional loans, federal loans, both subsidized Stafford loans as well as unsubsidized Stafford loans. Um, these, again, these are loans uh, borrowed by the from the U.S. government government and they have a uh, borrower friendly features. So interest rates are relatively low. They're fixed for new borrowers. You can avoid paying interest immediately. Generally, you have a six month grace period after leaving school. Yes. Um, and, and you, you know, there's limits in terms of the amount that you can get per year around 3,500 per year for um, a subsidized loan and an unsubsidized loan. You're looking at 2000. The difference between direct uh, and sub and unsub is really that uh, unsubsidized loans are going to be available regardless of your financial need. So they'll be available to both undergrad and graduate students. Interest rate is generally around 3% um, for undergrads. For graduates, it's about 4%. Similar to um, because they're government loans in terms of flexible repayment options, you can, can be income driven plans, uh, you're, you're eligible regardless of your credit, you can have in school deferment, unemployment deferment, it has tax benefits, there's a potential loan forgiveness programs um, that uh, especially now this is kind of a big talk with the Obama, um, uh, the Biden administration, Biden and Harris administration about uh, loan forgiveness. So this, this is something that's actually a hot topic right now. But essentially, when you are looking at your overall profile um, and and your financial aid, if you are given sub and unsub loans and you do need to take out additional money to finance your education. Which is the case at a lot, uh, at the majority of schools, right? Maybe not the most visible places, but at the the majority of students that are on financial aid, 
will have to take out additional loans. Correct. Keep going. These will be the loans that you want to utilize first, right? Because of their such borrow friendly terms. Um, and, and because, you know, there's always kind of government regulations that are going to be surrounding them, that they're always going to be the best choice. From there, you know, you know, you can think about parent plus loans, for example. These are loans that the parents can take out uh, on behalf of their undergraduate students. However, for this type of loan, credit does matter. So, uh, and their interest rate is going to be a little bit higher because the parents are expected to be paying um, on this. On the flip side, uh, the borrowing limit is going to be much more, right? They can take out uh, more to cover the cost of living uh, that, well, that yeah, the will face. Big gap amount, right? Exactly. So one of, the, one of the terms to decode is when you don't, when a school doesn't meet 100% of need, they gap you, right? So there is a gap between what your need is and what the college is able to provide. And oftentimes it, it might be, and correct me, Nelly, if, I, if I'm misspeaking, is like, you know, the parent plus loan would be one of the, one of the ways to cover that gap, yep. right? Especially at some of the most highly visible universities, that gap can be very, very large, right? And Nelly is going into such helpful detail about what you can do and that you could actually shop around for different loans. Is that correct, Nelly? Yep. So the and so that brings me to the other kind of gap feature you'll see is also um, private student loans. So because the sub and non sub have limits in terms of what you can borrow, um, you know you'll see that gap also in ter in terms of student private loans. And a lot of schools will actually put a list of their lenders uh, on their uh, actually on your award letter saying it Sally May or X company, mm -hmm. um, you know uh, alternative loan program. But you are not bound to that lender. You are not bound to those terms of that particular alternative loan because one these are going to be credit-based um, and two you can shop around you can find what is going to be best for you and for your family um, and and perhaps that is going the alternative loan route or or perhaps it's um, finding other sources of, of financial aid that we can talk about um, uh, you know I was thinking in terms of uh, scholarships, which we can get into, um, you know, part-time jobs, other ways that a lot of students end up kind of paying off that that debt so that they don't have to take on huge amounts and alternative loans. Right. And one of the things that is important to say, you know, because this is so helpful for a lot of our, our listenership that you might be thinking and might have to navigate kind of the loan process, right? That is, that's a very real part of the college admissions, mm -hmm. you know, um, when, when you get in and, you know, for a large, large part of our students in the United States, they will have loans that they have to pay off. And, and there are, there are options and that's what we're trying to, to try to get into. We're trying to touch upon that right now. Now it is important for us to say that, you know, the best case scenarios is that you go to a school where you don't have loans as at all. Right. And this is where a merit package potentially could help or a school that is in a position to give you a much better financial aid. Right. Again, this is I said this at the very beginning. Financial aid is not it's not linear. It's not binary. It's not like, OK, you got it. You get financial aid. So here's your package. It's very, very different at every school. So Nelly, you know, a question that you often get, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to get to work, you're going to your car and a neighbor sees you and they flag you down, Nelly, Nelly, you know, uh, how do, how does my daughter get financial aid? We know we're not going to qualify for night for financial aid, you know, cause the net price calculator is showing that, you know, we, we can pay almost the full freight. How do I get financial aid? Right? So we often, we both get this question a lot. Yeah. 
Uh, how is what's your answer to this? And then and I'll talk about mine. Sure. So I think that. Um, Again, this kind of goes back to the financial aid is not just all free money. <laughs> financial aid is a, um, is is grants, it's scholarships, it's loans, it's um, you We're know part time jobs. Right. I'm sorry. Exactly. We're, you said you and I said the same thing. You said part time job, and I said yep. work study. Exactly. Right. right. So it's it's not. Ju- um, I just it, that that seems to be a misnomer out there. That oh, I'm not going to qualify for any free money. Mm-hmm. Um, so and and very few actually will because the it's a, it's a, a, a you know it's a demonstrated need that you have to to have. Um, and so you have to be thinking it as a holistic process and and that you are investing in your own future. Right. That this is a a large purchase that you're making um, and but that you will have the ability to pay it off over you know a significant portion of your time you know that you're choosing a school ultimately that is going to be able to have a return on that investment right that you're going to be able to get a full-time job and then eventually to help pay off any debts that you've uh, incurred. Uh, I would also just say, right, so a lot of people want to try to game the financial aid system or um, there are checks and balances in place. And so if you do, uh, you know, try to get get around those things, there is a verification process that will come back to the school where you will have to submit um, copies of all of the documents, um, you know, your your taxes, your W-2s, et cetera, so that the government and the schools can verify that what you have put on your form is correct. Um, And really, So I do think that it's really kind of, again, this it's similar to the college admissions process, a holistic view of of what this this large investment that you're taking out and and how you can um, find alternative ways. And and so let's just talk about that in, in terms of scholarships. I was looking just generally speaking, there seems to be a lot of um, on the U.S. Department of Labor's uh, website. They have a free scholarship search tool, right? You can get scholarships from federal agencies, from state agencies, uh, foundations, local businesses. I'm sure you can think of many more, but um, Google and free search, tool, you know, scholarships uh, search tools are going to be your one of your best helps to help you find that free money if you're if that's kind of what you're gunning for and and, oh, and ahead, using ahead. it as a full time job right you like kind of searching for scholarships um you know ag- aggressively i would say yes and so and this is awesome because you're really you're helping segue right into kind of my my view on this and i'm not saying that kids shouldn't be looking for scholarships um they should everyone should and everyone you know should be you know it, it's an obligation you know if if someone if if the cost of college is part of your decision-making process, right? You should be looking at colleges. But what I will say is understanding the landscape right now um, would, would lead you to understand and believe and fully see that where you apply to mm-hmm. and also when you apply has a very, very big impact yeah. on the financial aid that you receive, right? So um, let me, that's a very kind of loaded statement. It's a 100% <laughs> true statement, but it also uh, needs to be broken down and decoded. And so one of the things that is happening right now, it's it's probably the biggest trend, right? There's a lot of different trends, but it's an enrollment management technique, but there's a large number of schools that don't meet 100% of need, right? And I, I could name them, and and they're not any less of an academic institution, 
for not meeting 100% of need. They just don't have the endowment or they haven't decided that, that that's what they want to do, but they, they're not going to meet 100% of your needs. So that you're going to get some form of gap or you're going to get a financial aid package that is you know largely loans potentially. But keep in mind like X college, you could say Nat college doesn't meet 100% of need for those that apply using the FAFSA. But on the flip end, if you apply and you don't need financial aid, they're going to merit aid you. They're going to give you money, even though you don't need financial aid, to help enroll you. And so maybe the cost of the college is $75,000. And on average, they might give you $25,000 off each year or $20,000 off each year. And that sounds ludicrous. It's It sounds like it is exactly what it sounds like. They're giving money to people that don't need it, but they're not meeting the full need of people that actually need financial aid. Um, and I'm not just talking about one school or two schools. Like this is the biggest trend mm-hmm. in enrollment management right now. Uh, and it's a smart one from a business perspective. And we have to remember that colleges are businesses, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, when you're giving a $20,000 discount to someone that doesn't need financial aid, you know the research and the data will show well, you are affecting your ability to yield that student. That student is more likely to say, wow, they really want me. They're giving me $25,000 off each year. And in addition to that, that's still $55,000 or $50,000 of tuition revenue that they are going to receive from that student, right? And then if you're really playing out and you're seeing the big picture that you might say like, oh, wow, this family, you know, they, they got a really big discount. Maybe the maybe the family will will give you know, to the annual giving or or after they graduate, they might make a gift to the college, which is very, very important to a college as a business. So this is not some, you know, small tactic that one or two colleges are, are using. This is a very, very popular enrollment management technique where colleges are actually giving money out. Now, how do you know which schools are doing this? Well, you could actually look, I mean, you, you can find a good counselor uh, like Nelly or, or or myself, and we, we will will tell you kind of which schools are are known to do this. But also, like Nelly was saying, a lot of this information public is public information, <laughs> right? And so I spend an enormous enormous amount of time just data mining, right? And 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 Nelly and I and and, and all the counselors at Ivy Wise, we are, and I won't speak for everyone, but I am a self admitted admissions nerd. I just spend so much time thinking and honing the craft. And one of the things that's pretty easy to do is look at common data set, right? Mm -hmm. So common data set is a project that started years ago. And it's basically not every college has to participate in it. But long story short, it's, it's information that is publicly available. And it's about Everything from kind of uh, anything that you might want to know that you didn't know that you needed to know. Uh, But one of the things I think it's in Section H, Section H is financial aid on the common data set. It will tell you what percentage of the class that did not apply for financial aid received merit merit aid. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you will see an enormous number of schools. Right. That will say. Okay, this percentage of students did not apply, did not qualify for financial aid, but received some form of merit aid, right? And you'll see like 60%, 70%. There are some schools out there mm-hmm. where 90 over 95% of the student body 
who does not qualify for need-based aid receives financial aid, right? And that's part of their enrollment management technique. So this notion of free money, yes, it does matter. And and so Nellie and I were talking, there are there are many cases where if you fill out the net price calculator, you know your FAFSA, and you know that your EFC is pretty high. Let's say the cost, the total cost is like $75,000 and your EFC might be 65, right? Like you might, they, they, the college and the government, more importantly, thinks that you can pay everything except for $10,000. So you qualify for $10,000 of need-based aid. Well, there are many times where I have then, you know, with that particular family said, well, let's apply to these colleges and not apply for financial aid at these colleges. And in turn, they will get more than they qualify for in need-based aid. They'll get more in merit money, yeah. right? And so that, that that has happened the last five years of my career to, for multiple families. Um, and yes, so Nelly, I'm- Yeah, I, I just wanted to jump in. I, I, I 100% agree with this, you know, strategy. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's one, it's I, not the only strategy, right? Not it's, the only, it's, it's, but it, you, we, have, we, we you wanna, have to be open to it, right? Yeah. As a prospective student, you have to be open to looking at schools that may not have been on your original list, right? Yeah. You have to go into this with an open mind um, in order to kind of play the game, I would say, right? To, to think about fina- if, if financial aid is a is, is one of your decisions in, in the college process, which I think for most families it is, right? You have to be thinking strategically and, and what are way and again, like I said, just looking at schools that may not have been on your original list and being flexible and willing to to consider that. Yeah, Nelly, that is so important because that that actually hits right at who gets merit aid, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's not just the kids that don't need money, but oftentimes because of the business side of college, which you you all know if you're listening to this podcast a lot or um, you're familiar with some of my talks, I, I I talk a lot about the business of college, and because of the business of college, one of the things that colleges have to report out are test scores and average GPAs. And so what Nellie is alluding to, right, and I'm kind of stealing her thunder, is that a lot of times when you are above profile for a college, they want to enroll you. And so they want to enroll you by by giving you merit aid or by giving you a better financial aid package, right? And so, um, and this is one thing that we we kind of touched upon a little bit, but uh, not everyone gets the same financial aid package, uh, like even at a college, right? We, we've talked about not everyone gets a financial aid package, you know, at different colleges because yeah, some colleges are just, they have a larger endowment to be able to give you a college, you know, to give you a, a um, you know, financial aid package, right? Like that is why, I put Bowdoin College in Brunswick, Maine, uh, on so many kids' lists that 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 are looking at financial aid because in their aid package, in their reward package, there is no loan component. Everything you get from Bowdoin is either student, uh, it's work study, right, or it's it's grant money. And mm-hmm. and Bowdoin's not the only one. It's just the you know it's where my sister in law attended and she had an amazing experience. And I think of it as an incredible institution. And and it's not as well known as some of the other schools that are just not nearly as capable as Bowdoin to provide a wonderful financial aid package. But and and Nelly, that's such a great point. Is that you have to be able to if, if financial aid is part of your your college process, right? You have to be willing to kind of put yourself out there at schools that you might not know yet, but they also have to be schools that are in a position to give you merit aid, right? Not every school has the endowment or the ability to give you, you know, um, a great financial aid package. So that's, that is such a, such a good point. 
actually, I was going to just share my own personal story. Oh, yes. myself. I um, think it's an important one. Yeah, I had, I, you know, I had a list of schools I'd applied to, but kind of when I got my award letters back, there was my my top choice, which was a large public research institution. <laughs> um, and then I had another school who was really at the time still kind of unknown, still trying mm-hmm. to build out their, you know, build their reputation, build their brand, wanted to become stronger. And they came back with, you know, an award letter that was essentially a, almost free for me to go there. Um, so it, it really, like I said, it depends on what you ultimately want from your school experience. I did choose to go to the larger R1 research institution because I knew my opportunities there for me in particular would be broader. Um, However, you know, I do still have student loan debt that I am paying off, unfortunately. Um, uh, And to speak to that, you know, one day, hopefully I hope to apply for the public service loan forgiveness program, having worked in higher education for so long. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's the, the kind of flip side is, is, you know, you, you have to make those choices for what's best for you and your family. Um, you know, unfortunately. <laughs> no, you, th- that's such a great point. And one of the things, Nelly, that, um, you know, we talked about early on that I want to make sure that we hit upon and, and hopefully we still have our, our listeners, but it's kind of the the decoding the language where people think like, oh, a school is need blind. That's, that's better, right? Need yeah. blind sounds better in the college admissions process. And I worked for, you know, and I, I'm going to name schools like NYU was need blind. NYU met very, you know, did not do a great job back when I worked there. They're doing a better job now, but they did not come close to meeting the need of of financial aid recipients, uh, but they were need blind. And so a lot of students applied. And what that meant was that because you're not looking whether or not schools, you know, a student needs financial aid, you don't know you have a finite financial aid budget, so you don't know what percentage of your class is going to need money. And so that leads to very, very, uh, you know, just very weak financial aid packages where the school where I worked at prior to NYU in the first of my career, my alma mater, Skidmore College, certainly not as visible. Uh, you know, we were need sensitive, but that allowed us. So the ability to pay affected whether or not a student was accepted or not, mm-hmm. but by being need sensitive, Students that did receive financial aid got incredible, incredible packages, phenomenal packages, yeah. right? And not not all of the time because home equity is a part of that process. Um, but in you know in the majority of the cases, the, the financial aid piece was was something that Skidmore did very well, and and that's that is true with a lot of the top small liberal arts colleges. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you know, like the the larger public universities, the top larger public universities, or even private universities, they are just starting to come around to be you know to to you know to meet one hundred percent of need, which again doesn't mean that you'll get a better financial aid package. It just means that they might they might meet your need with with loan, right? And there are some schools, like let's be fair, there are some schools that give phenomenal financial aid packages that are large, large institutions, right? And they're the ones that everyone knows about, right? The the most the, the, the top endowments. And then I will say one of the last things I will say is that you know, one of the algorithms that I created kind of in, in helping my students was to look at endowment per student. And and that is a it's a approximate proxy. Um, you know, if that's a word, an approximate proxy for <laughs> how good a financial aid package can be. Right. When you look at, you know, Bowdoin's endowment per student. So taking the endowment and then dividing it by the number of students it's a very, very large number, right? It's not It's not a million dollars per student like a place like Williams or Amherst or Grinnell College in, in Iowa, but it's it's 
it's close. Mm-hmm. And that allows them to give financial aid packages that are absolutely incredible, that don't have any loan. Um, and then when you look at some other schools, right, and this is, I, I say an approximate proxy because there are some schools that have a very low endowment per student that have done very well with financial aid packaging because they're they're using money that they generate through alumni donations. They're, they're just earmarking different money to that. But mm-hmm. generally speaking, you know, uh, a school with, a certain endowment per student, there isn't. They're going to be in a position to give better financial aid packages. That's a very, very fair statement, um, whether colleges like that or not. Um, and again, uh, there it's part of the financial leveraging piece and, and the enrollment management piece. So again, we we probably we could go on forever, right? Like we can, we can check in with us twenty four hours from now, <laughs> and I could still be talking. Nelly could still be talking. We love this stuff. Uh, I thought I think maybe um, one more little uh, strategic thing that we can talk about to kind of wrap it up as we uh, as they as they get their financial aid award letters, right? So, a, a big question is: Can you match financial aid offers with other colleges? The answer is a hundred percent yes, right? So we yes. would say, right? We want to make sure we're comparing apples to apples. So kind of again, decoding what your financial aid letter is, what's merit, what's grants, you mm-hmm. know, what's loans, etc. Right. Using that net price calculator, another tool that they can use the college financing plan, which is on the U.S. Department of Education's website, quickly helps students understand and compare financial aid offers from different colleges. But yeah, I mean, I think this is another little strategy that we encourage you to use is to contact your other um, offers that you have and, and just say, hey, I have another offer. Can you match it? That's right. And that is that is something that you know, it's polarizing. It's probably not a popular thing, but when we're advocating for students, yes, like don't just accept what you get. You can always call up. And the worst thing that can happen is say like, Hey, sorry, like we can't, we don't have any more money for you. But a lot of times I won't say a lot of times, but some of the times a college would say, yes, like, let's, let's see what we can do. Um, you know, maybe let's look at some things or a, a college financial aid officer is they're willing to work with you. Now, it's a busy time when everyone's going to be getting their reward letters, you know, very soon and all at, at one time. Uh, but uh, it is something that we we want you to do, right? And then the last thing, um, you know, that we are working on personally is, you know, that I'm working on personally is trying to get um, award letters to all look the same, right? So that's decoding an award letter is so difficult because, you know, X college and Y college, when they give you their financial aid award letters, it looks very different. And you, it's not easy to decode because you don't know, it's not Apple, like you said, it's not apples to apples because they they won't give the final price. They'll give the price without, you know, without room and board and then you don't know the loans. And it's so you're, you're really having to decode this. So make sure that you take the time to really go through and break it down so that you can see this. But please know that I am working behind the scenes um, with my state representative who happens to be the chairman of the higher ed board, um, you know, in in our local in our government uh, on on a uniform award letter, right? And it's not going to come anytime soon, but it's but it's something that is very very important to us, and um, it's something that we we feel very very passionate about. So 
Thank you so much again for tuning in to Just Admit It. Please catch up on all of our previous episodes by visiting Just Admit It, um, the podcast page, right? The, visit the Just, the Just Admit It podcast page and be sure to bookmark the IVY's knowledge base, right? You'll be able to stay up to date with the latest higher ed news and advice. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the TikTok for additional <laughs> college prep resources. And stay tuned for our next episode in which we will share advice on what students should do if they get waitlisted. Thank you so much on behalf of Nelly and me. Um, we are so excited and wish you the best. Stay safe, everyone. Take care. Thank you. Thank you.